You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Hey Kensington, here we are at Three North Vines in Croswell, Michigan, and today we are going to continue to learn a little bit more about what it takes to grow a vineyard. And so today we want to find out what is that process like that goes into actually taking care of the vines. So once again, we have our friend Christy here with us. Hi. Hi, Christy. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about what it takes to actually like grow a healthy vine? Like, so when do you actually prune the vines? What is that process like? So yeah. pruning can start anytime after we get a, a hard freeze that stays consistent and like the, the liquids and the sap and everything start mo- stop moving around in here. So usually anywhere in like December, January, February, even up into March, sometimes different varieties we do a little later in the season just to see if we've had any damage. Does it hurt the plant to prune it? No. And actually they can re you can get them to kind of like be reinvigorated by not supporting too much of that okay. growth that they put out from yeah. the year before. Um, so it, and it helps keep them a little healthier. We can yeah. renew them. So like if you see right here, this guy is like older yeah. and mm-hmm. thicker and this side must have been coming off here. He's missing now. He probably wasn't producing very well or had some damage to him, and we renewed with this younger younger mm. trunk right okay. here. Okay. So it's kind of like cutting your toenails. Like, it doesn't <laughs> hurt, but, like, it feels so good when it's done. Pretty much. Same yeah. idea? Exactly. And it allows for new growth and new healthy growth. So... Obviously, it's outside. It's kind of in the wild of Michigan here on the vineyard. Yes. What kind of things can harm these guys? Is there certain bugs? What does a grape say when you step on it? Wine? Yeah. It doesn't say anything. It just whines. <laughs> oh! Yes. Sorry. Go ahead. You got it. Yeah. The other things that can hurt damage are birds. The birds really start to get interested in them. And the other things that really start to get interested in them are the bugs, like yellow jackets, bumblebees, oh, that kind of really? thing. Anything that wants that sugar. Oh. Mm. So what do you do to keep those things away? For once they turn colors or they go through Verrazon, they turn that purple color. We put on nets that will come down around this. Oh, wow. Yep, that helps with the birds. We also put up colored streamers that flap in the wind that are reflective. That also helps with the birds. So it looks just like a a rave out here. It does. Okay. We also have... People driving by like, oh, that's a party over there. (laughs) We call it our two-acre parade float. Okay, love that. (laughs) Everyone's like, what's going on out there? We're like, yeah, we're trying to keep birds away. (laughs) I always say you don't know what you're doing pruning a vine until you watched your pruning go through a whole at least cycle of a year okay. yeah. um so i think it's really just that 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 being in contact with them and seeing what you're what's happening to, that day to day so the more you take care of it the more you prune the more you identify like the toxic threats to the vine to the grapes the easier it becomes well christy this is this is super cool thank you so much for taking the time talking us through maintenance and upkeep and growth and all of that i look forward to continuing the conversation next week awesome we'll see you then Hey, so excited to be here with you. I bring greetings from New Anthem Church, and I'm so blessed to be back here with my Clinton Township family. The last five or six times I preached at Kensington, I was at the Ligorian location. I know. So, so excited to be back in my neck of the woods. I'm kidding. There's nothing wrong with I grew up there. It's not, there's nothing wrong with them. Um, but uh, <laughs> so excited to be back here. And we're so grateful for this church for so many reasons. 
Um, honestly, it could be a sermon in and of itself, but we literally would not exist if it wasn't for the people of Kensington Clinton Township. And y'all rallied around us. Uh, we actually took up a love offering, uh, and which was the majority of our resources that we launched our church with uh, several years ago. We're, we're going to be four years old in September, which is crazy. And yeah. And... We've just seen God do some incredible things. It's amazing to be a part of. And so we absolutely love this church. We love your leadership. We love, I absolutely love your pastor, even though he won't go golfing with me. But uh, yeah, I love that you love this church and, and it just has a special place in my heart. And I'm just honored to be bringing you the word today and continuing on in the series, week two of the series, Vine and Grapes. Vine and Grapes. We're looking at the story of Jesus and in our text today, as we kicked things off last week, Jesus is in a very specific part of his ministry. He's at the end of his time on earth, at the end of his earthly ministry. And so there's this momentum and this energy and weight to what Jesus is sharing and the lessons that, these last few lessons that he's leaving with those that were closest to him. And he really had one overarching message that we dove into last week, which, which was really to abide. That's the overall theme of chapter 15 of the book of John is to abide in him, stay connected to him. That's the, what the word abide means, to, to remain in him, to remain in Jesus. And here's what I love about Jesus giving not only his followers thousands of years ago, but us, the church, in 2023, this directive to remain and stay connected to him is that it necessitates this idea that that would be something that's difficult to do. Jesus didn't give this directive because it's easy. Hey, hey, if I can do it, anybody can do it. You need to remain in me, but know that it was gonna be difficult, that the hard thing to do is going to be to stay connected to Jesus. And so he gives uh, his followers this directive. And, and what does that mean for us this morning? Well, I, I want to explore a little bit more about what that means. And as we saw in the video this morning, there is a lot that goes into ensuring the, the health and well-being of branches and of vines to ensure that they produce bountiful fruit. And so today we're going to look at that process a little bit and, and dive into what that means for us. What does that have to do with our lives and how do we discover more about ourselves and our amazing God through that process? So I, I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump in. Does that sound good, everybody? Does that sound good to the rest of you? Amen. Hey, let's pray. God, thank you so much for this morning, and I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice. Right now, God, we pray for light and heat that you would illuminate your, your word to us, that it would become alive to us and set our hearts on fire. God, we give recognition right now to your spirit, your presence that's here with us in the room, wants us to leave here changed and transformed. And so, God, we submit to your word would you do a powerful work in us and through us? In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. And so this morning, I, I want to build on something that Pastor Adam mentioned in his sermon last week. One of his points that really impacted me was this, that the God is more concerned with, with how you're abiding rather than the fruit that you're producing. That God is more concerned with how you're abiding than than the fruit that you're producing. I like to say it this way, that, that God is more concerned with who you are in him than what you do for him. Can I get a good amen, everybody? Amen. Is this an amen, church? Yes. Some mixed reviews. There was a lot more mixed reviews in first service. I'm just gonna preach to y'all like I'm at New Anthem and that we just let the chips fall where they may. Amen? amen? 
Okay. So God is more concerned with who you are in him than what you do for him. But I want to build on this because this is, this is true and this is good news. But, but my declaration to you, I, and I really came to this morning, is, is really a herald for your joy. And, and, and the word that I felt like God put on my heart and, and what he wants me to remind you this morning is that God's intention for you, God's plan A for you, the life that he is leading you into, God's plan and purpose for you is to have you live an abundant and fruitful life. That's God's plan for you. That's his end game. God has stacked the deck of your life in your favor in such a way to lead you into more abundant life. What if I told you that this year, 2023, God wants you in more abundance, more fruitfulness spiritually, more fruitfulness relationally than 2022? This is why one of my favorite verses in all the Bible is this, that the enemy came to steal, this is John 10, 10. The enemy, Satan, he came to steal, kill, and destroy. Then Jesus says this, I come that they may have life and have it more abundantly, more fruitfully. That's God's end game for you. So I want us to start here. Before we even dive into the meat of our text, I want us to posture our hearts here and tuck that truth away, and I want that to become the lens that in which we look at the rest of the text with, that God's end game for us is fruitful and abundant life. Fruitful and abundant life. Now, as I began to think of uh, like, like gardening and, and vine dressers, I began to think of my dad. Uh, and I began to think of my dad because he is like a makeshift uh, a farmer. And um, it, it, I'm laughing because he's, he was horrible at it, you guys. Like he was absolutely horrible at it. He tried, he tried to do like the whole flower garden thing and then plants and fruits. And then um, some of y'all, you know, I, my dad retired from GM in Lake Orion and then moved us up uh, when I was 10 years old to Indian River, Michigan. Anyone know where that is? Yeah. Okay. Some of you. Super small town. I'm actually surprised there were so many hands that went up. All you need to know, it's the most boring, whitest place in the world. <laughs> it, it just is. And so he moved us up there, and it was like my dad was like, well, I'm bored, I'm retired, and I live in the middle of nowhere. I might as well get into farming. So he developed this passion out of nowhere for for just planting and caring for all of these plants, but he was horrible at it. Now, there was a couple of reasons. Like, he just, it wasn't his gift. It wasn't his gifting. But also, um, he decided to adopt five kids, and we would all run through anything that he would plant, like, out back in our property. And so we'd run through it all, so nothing would grow, and he would get really frustrated. But here's what was hilarious. He always, he tried to instill his love and passion for planting in me, even though he was terrible at it. And so, and and remember, the, the only thing that he could get to grow was zucchini, that was the only thing he could get. He planted corn. He was planting tomatoes. He was planting, anyone heard of Swiss chard? Like, my dad did, and he planted some. I don't know why, but he's planted everything. And the only thing he could get to grow was zucchini, which was hilarious because every single one of us uh, kids, we all hated zucchini. We all hated it. And it was the only thing he could get to grow. So he was so frustrated. He tried to instill it in me, tried to teach me about planting. We started with the grass and, like, the, the eggshells, you know, like the science experiment. Like, we started with that. I, I got everything I planted. It all died. Like, he would give me a cactus. Like, you can't screw this up. I found a way. I wouldn't bring it close enough to the window. It died. Like I could just, I didn't have the gift. He didn't give me a gift. He didn't have the gift. And he would get so frustrated when he couldn't get what he was planting and everything that he was farming when he couldn't get it 
to grow. And so the reason I share that is because beyond the, the literal physical things that my dad was trying to plant, the truth for us today is when we consider our life and when we consider the things that, that God actually created us to grow in, in the context of our life, we can find ourselves to be frustrated when we see a lack of growth. And the reality is life is filled with opportunities for growth. God created us in such a way to grow physically, to grow emotionally, to grow spiritually, to grow relationally. But, but sometimes it can feel like we're lacking. Sometimes it can even feel like we've become stagnant in areas that we were wanting to grow. Or what's worse, shrinking and going backwards in an area that we were wanting to see growth in forward motion. And I believe there are several reasons for that, that that shrinking and this idea of becoming stagnant. For some of us, we become stagnant in certain opportunities for growth simply because of our circumstance, maybe even things outside of our control. For some of us, it's, it's certain fears that we have, setbacks, discouragements. Maybe it's our own pride that's holding us back. Maybe it's a certain area or relationship that we have denial in, something we're not taking responsibility for. Maybe we're playing the comparison game, or, or maybe it's just something as simple as an addiction or some kind of sin that we keep coming back to. There are several reasons, but for every single one of us, this can leave us feeling overwhelmed and ultimately uncertain about the growth and transformation that we can feel in the heart of hearts that, that we feel like God is leading us into, and so what God would invite us into through his word today, as we read in John 15, is to abide in him, this invitation where God bids us, come, remain in me, stay with me, stay connected to me, and in so doing, find your, the most fruitful version of your life possible. And so that's where we're going Today, So let's build some context around these vines and discover a little bit more about what's going on as Jesus is using this analogy in the context of the, this, uh, these Judean vineyards. So to, to find some answers, and because I clearly don't know anything about planting whatsoever, I decided to uh, discover um, in, in the source of all truth after the Bible, which is Google, okay? And so... I Googled it. One of the most important parts of vine dressing and caring for these vines and branches is a process called pruning. And pruning is the removal or reduction of parts of a plant, a tree, or a vine that's needed for growth and production. When, when there's a part of the plant that's, that's no longer visually pleasing or that can hinder the development of the plant or of the vine in some way. So in, in a vineyard, this pruning process is done by this vine dresser, and they ultimately have to deal with the discrepancy between quality and quantity. And so it requires a vine dresser to come in with their sharp shears and start going to work, snipping away, making cuts, cutting off dead things, cutting, cutting off uh, 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 unhelpful things so that all that is left in the vineyard is that which has integrity and consistency and predictability. And so uh, 
in the context of the people that Jesus was referring to and speaking to in his audience, it would have been considered irresponsible for a vine dresser of the day to ignore the pruning process. So it was the critical part of the process. So this is the lens by which Jesus is forming things in John 15. He reveals the same process. So he's, he, it's his last night with the disciples. He's having these closing moments and he starts down this conversation using this agricultural metaphor that they would have absolutely and readily understood. And he invites them, remain in me, stay connected to me. Why? because I'm the true vine. And if you do this, you're gonna bear a lot of fruit. And in so doing, he's actually pointing us and advising this pruning process as part of our growth process. So let's read it together in John chapter 15, verse one. It says this. I am the true vine, Jesus says. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And so at first glance, I don't know if you're like me, when I first read that phrase, cutting off of branches, I got a little bit nervous. I got a bit, little bit nervous, like, hold on here. Like, like cutting off, it seems a little bit harsh, seems a little bit unloving, seems a little bit unkind, doesn't seem very godlike. God's a God of love. Uh, after all, we're supposed to be viewing this in the context of our relationship with God. So at what point is God cutting people off? Has God cut me off? If, if it's possible to be cut off, what steps do I have to take in order for that to happen so I don't make these kind of things happen? This sounds really harsh. Is this text talking about the harsh part of God? And friends, like many parts of Scripture, there is more to the story. This verse oftentimes is mispreached and miscommunicated to actually understand the context, we have to go back to the original language. The original Greek, the word is arrow in this verse, which, which means, not, um, which is translated, translates to throw away or cut off, but arrow should actually be translated in this part of the text as to lift up. Now watch this. This idea of lifting up is how Judean vineyards cared for their plants. It's how they cared for them. They would lift up branches. Vine dressers would lift up branches that were sitting in the soil, sitting on the ground, getting dirty, getting muddy from the heavy rain or dew. And this lifting up kept the mold and fungus from developing on the leaves and ultimately protected the vine. This would also protect the vine from potential critters that were running around the ground and, and, and could possibly damage the branches, all providing it to be possible for greater growth and ultimately fruit. This lifting process also provided parts that were unseen by the eye to get more sunlight and more health for the plants as well. So, so with this in mind, with this idea in mind, let's read the text that we just read with the Greek context in mind. It says this in John 15 too, I am the true vine and my father's the gardener. He lifts up every branch in me. So in the same way, our vine dresser helps the growth process in our, in our lives. He, he gently and carefully, lovingly lifts us up, branches off the ground. Why? For the purpose of healthy future growth. So the vine dressers of the day, they would lift up and reposition the branches. And can I tell you today, church, sometimes we need to be repositioned. Sometimes we need to be repositioned, but let's be real in church. Sometimes that repositioning that happens from the God of heaven, it's not always comfortable, amen? 
It's not always comfortable. But the truth is, the most fruitful opportunities for growth usually come after being repositioned. The most fruitful opportunities for growth oftentimes come after being repositioned. This is true uh, if you look at the most popular Bible stories throughout all of Scripture. What you see is character after character being positioned and then being repositioned. We see it in the story of Abram, his name being changed to Abraham, his purpose being changed and transformed as well. We see it in Saul's journey being uh, changed to Paul, road to Damascus, light from heaven, given a whole new trajectory, a whole new purpose in life. We see it in Joshua. We see it in Ruth, maybe more than ever, we see it in King David. My boy King David, a man after God's own heart. And yet the most popular text that we read in the Psalms is David hiding out or on the run because he had assassins trying to kill him from a tyrant king, even though David was promised the crown. And so the word of God is full of these examples of being positioned, and then God repositioning. And the truth is, our life is marked by the same repositioning. This is true for me. In fact, in the last six years, I, I, my whole life has been a story of just repositioning, beginning with my journey into planting a church. So I started in youth ministry. Y'all, I was in youth ministry for 15 years. It's like way too long. Someone in first service was like, oh, like really loud, like right in the middle. I was like, I know, they felt that, you know? It was like way too long. And listen, I thought I was gonna be in youth ministry forever. My wife and I were like, no, we're gonna be 50, 60 years old, still crushing it, killing it, relevant, and somehow not creepy. <laughs> we're gonna find a way to pull it off. Y'all, I didn't even make it to 30. And I don't mean I became creepy at 30. I mean, like at 30, I was like, I'm done with youth ministry. Like I used to wake up and I'm like, time to change the lives of some students. And then I woke up and I was like, I hate all these kids. <laughs> and don't be offended. I don't work in the youth ministry here. And now you know why, you know? Like, but I just, there was a change in my heart. By the way, I, 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 I love kids. Like I, I believe in the next generation. I believe in, but but it was just for me. That was God's plan for my life. That was God, what God spoke to me. It was a change in my heart. It happened overnight. Why? Because God knew where he wanted me. And God knew that if I was continuing with that same burning desire and passion for youth, I wasn't going to step into my destiny to launch a church. And so at the same moment, God shifted the heart of my wife and I. And we, we knew we were done. This was just the beginning of our repositioning. Because what happened? We moved back to the Metro Detroit area to launch a church, and we had an amazing launch. Hundreds of people, some of y'all even visited on our first Sunday, and it was amazing. Here's what you may not know. 48 hours after our first service that we ever had, we got kicked out of the building that we were meeting in. God repositioned us again. We were like, oh. And then we ended up in Mount Clemens High School, and we're like, okay, time to start doing church and tilling the ground. And then four and a half months later, uh, this thing, I don't know if y'all heard of it, it's called COVID, happened. And just shut us down and repositioned us again, and we were like, oh. <laughs> and so then we started doing church online, and then we're able to do in-person services again. And we're like, okay, it's time. God's transitioning us again. God's repositioning us. Let's go back to services. And we realized the whole world had changed, and people had changed, and everything had changed, and the way people view church had changed, and it even affected the way that we even did church. And we were like, oh, church family, life is marked by the God of this universe positioning and repositioning you. 
not just for pastors, no, for any child of God that would go before the God of heaven and say, God, take me wherever you want to take me. Do with my life whatever you want to do with my life. To a life that is willing to go before the God of heaven and say, here I am, Lord, send me. To that person, to that follower of Jesus, their life will be full of positioning and repositioning. It's not something we have to be afraid of. It's not something we have to be nervous about. Why? Because it's something that God has called us to. And watch this. He's the vine dresser. And don't forget his end game. Fruitful and abundant life. So even in the unknown and even in the scary parts of repositioning, it's going to lead to the most abundant life possible. And we can take that to the bank. Here's what's interesting. The vine dressers of the day, only the vine dressers knew when and how best to reposition each branch for greater, greater fruitfulness. And this is the same is true for you. And so ask yourself this morning, are you sitting in the dirt? Are are you being harmed by harmful pests? Are you dragging on the ground? Are you producing a lot of activity but not a whole lot of fruit? Are you needing the branches of your life to be lifted up by the God of the universe? And the process in these Judean vineyards The process was done by lifting up the main trunk with a large rock. A a vine dresser would physically lift up the vine and put a rock under it for support to keep uh, the, the roots from sagging into the ground. And our vine dresser, our God, does the same thing for us. In fact, in Psalms 40, verse 1, it says this, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on rock and gave me a firm place to stand. This is such good news. Friends, this should be like a warm blanket for your soul, that your life isn't about your effort. Your walk with Jesus, it's not about your effort. No, this is the world's message. You just gotta try harder. You just gotta do better. You just gotta use your muscle, your white-knuckled effort, your energy to be the best that you can be. But the gospel declares that we are busted and broken without the hope of a savior, something and someone outside of us, more holy than us, bigger than us, better than us, smarter than us, to be for us what we cannot be for ourselves. This is Jesus. We sang about it, our rock, our firm foundation. Come on, church, that's good news, amen? Amen. He's our firm foundation today. He's our rock. In fact, when Paul is writing to the church of Colossae in Colossians chapter one, he says it this way, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. And so what we're celebrating on a Sunday morning is that Jesus, he who knew no sin, became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is good news. This morning, as we saw in the opening video, there's a very specific time of the year, of the change of seasons, that's actually best for this pruning process to occur. So we have the lifting process, we have this pruning process where God's gonna start cutting away things. The best season for this to occur is actually the winter months right before spring, where the vine dresser will grab the shears just before buds begin to break on the vines. 
and then start to go to work. And I don't know if you're like me. I'm like, this seems like the worst possible time. Why would, why would they pick a harsh season? Why, why the harsh season, the, the cold season, the hollow season, the empty season? But this is the best season to bear the most fruit on the other side of this pruning process. And isn't it so true for us in our lives when it comes to our walks with God? In the seasons of our lives, winter can be the hardest. I'm talking about the winter seasons, the seasons that are bare and harsh and hollow and empty, where there's deficiencies and failures and trials and suffering and pain. Those are the seasons where God often grows us the most. It's not just the symbolic winter seasons that are hard. Y'all, it's, it's winters in general. We live in Michigan. It's winters in general that are hard, amen? Like, and I know we're all Michiganders, so we're just like, yeah, winters are, okay. You don't know Michigan winters until you live in northern Michigan. I'm just saying. It's true. Like, I'm talking about a cold that, like, makes you cry. Like, makes you emotional. I'm talking about that kind of cold. When you're like, why am I crying? Yeah, just because I'm cold. Now, some of y'all are like, no, Pastor John, I've experienced that. I'm not talking about when your kid leaves the door open for like five minutes too long in January. Like, close the door. That chill goes up your spine. That's not what we're talking about. That's kid stuff. I'm talking about all the doors are closed, the heat's on, and it's doing nothing. And you're like cold at the deepest core of who you are. I'm talking about snow that you can't see the top of. This is northern Michigan. It's awful. Maybe you visited Justin Hollis. Try living there. It's terrible. Now, I'm going to say something. It's probably going to offend some of you. If I offend you, just email me. My email is adam at kensingtonchurch.org. <laughs> I don't think God created black people for the snow. That's what, I, I just, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> There's a reason Africa's a tropical climate, y'all. I'm like, it's not... I can't show you in scripture, but it's not that hard to believe. What are we talking? Oh, yeah, winter seasons. Okay. Okay. So winters are hard. Winters are harsh seasons. Winters are, are difficult. Maybe for you, your winter season that you feel like you're in, it's a financial season. It's a, it's a relational turmoil. It's, it's something in your life that has went sideways and, and we're struggling to figure out how we even got there. And so we are struggling. Maybe even our faith is waning. We're experiencing something. There's maybe some of you in this room, you've experienced something even recently that made you question everything you believe in today. I would call that a winter season. But as we're talking about these vines in these texts, there's a fascinating reality about them. That even when there doesn't seem to be anything growing above ground in these winter seasons, in these vineyards, there was this invisible process happening under the ground. So as the temperatures would drop in these winter seasons, so does the plant's metabolism, photosynthesis, respiration, all the growth would slow down. And the nutrients collected during these growing seasons would move into the roots. And so these vines, these plants could look dead above ground, dead on the surface, but have life underneath the surface. In the seasons we struggle to function, in the seasons we struggle to even hear the voice of God, 
in the seasons we struggle, even in our walk with Christ, we feel like we're the worst version of ourselves. We need to remember a God who placed a spirit inside us that operates in the realm not of the visible but the invisible. This God moves and works on your behalf to lead you into more abundant life. That means God's working on the unseen parts in the depths of your heart, in the depths of your soul. And so rather than seeing God as as distant, as gone, as outside of your reach, you can't feel him, you can't see him. Rather, remembering God's end game, the fruitful life that he's leading you into, and taking that moment where you would say, but how long, God, and remembering the hope that he's given you the hope that he's given you in Jesus. Jesus spoke of these things. In the next chapter, he says this, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. A.K.A. Jesus is saying, in this life, hey, you're gonna have some winter seasons, but take heart. Winters don't scare me. Jesus says, in this, you're gonna have some winter seasons, but take heart, I've got four-wheel drive. <laughs> Jesus says, take heart, and I'm gonna provide for you warmth and joy in a new season. There may be pain and weeping in the night, but there'll be joy in the morning. Winter, friends, is never wasted. Even a winter season of life that you feel like you're in, it's never wasted, and it is the best time and season for pruning. Winter seasons invite us to trust God. Amen? Winter seasons invite us to trust God. So we have this lifting process, then we have this pruning process. So Jesus, man, he's getting to work. And he's gonna, he's gonna cut away some things. He's gonna cut away the broken parts. He's gonna cut away the useless parts. He's gonna cut out the distractions. For some of us, he's gonna cut out people, hello. And he's gonna cut out every separation from us and the abundant, fruitful life that he has destined for us. And this can be uncomfortable. And this can feel like discipline, and this can be discipline sometimes. Some of us, this pruning has come simply because of the mistakes that we've made, the failures that we made, the, dis- the ways that we were disobedient, the things that we knew we weren't supposed to do, but we did it anyways. And so the pruning sometimes can come as a consequence. But God's end game never changes. And so this pruning that God wants to do, it's always rooted in love. Always rooted in love. And for the last couple of moments today, I just want to share very quickly three action steps of fruitful living. Three action steps for fruitful living. I want to encourage you, if you're a note taker, to write these points down. In fact, even if you're not a note taker, you can go ahead and write it down. I'm not saying, like, you only go to heaven if you take notes. I'm just saying, like, why take a chance, you know? (laughs) So three action steps for fruitful living. Number one, take 
inventory. Take inventory. This means to take inventory of your life, to ask yourself, am I overgrown? Am I sagging on the ground? Where is my heart? Do I have parts of my life, parts of my faith, dead branches in my life that need to be cut out in the context of my relationship with God? Because let me tell you what so many of us do as we attempt to take inventory. We think of a group of people or maybe the person that we're closest to that we feel like we're further ahead than spiritually or financially or relationally, and we're like, they're doing okay, I'll be fine. That's not taking inventory, friends. Taking inventory isn't thinking about ourselves in the context of someone else. It's going before the God of the universe and saying, God, here I am. Search my heart. Tell me if there's any offensive way in me. God, here I am. Here's all of me. Here's the parts I hate about myself. Here's my brokenness. Here's, here's the parts that, that I'm ashamed of. Here's the thing I've been keeping in secret and in darkness. Here's the thing I've been neglecting, hoping it was gonna resolve itself. God, here I am. We need to take inventory. Number two, to find fruitful living, we need to continue to trust one of the hardest things to do is to trust the vine dresser, the God of heaven, as he's clipping away, as he's repositioning us, repositioning branches. One of the toughest things to do is to trust the process. And here's what's completely ridiculous about the notion that it's so hard to trust. It's that we've tried it on our own and failed, amen? We've already tried it our way. It doesn't work, does it? Proverbs tells us it doesn't work. Proverbs tells us there's a way that seems right to us. That way, it leads to death. So, so we've tried it our way, and it didn't work. We've tried to do it under our own effort, under our own st strength, under the, the sweat of our own brow, and it didn't work. So what we celebrate when we say that the gospel declares that, that, that Jesus is for us, what we cannot be for ourselves, is we're celebrating the fact that we're busted on our own. And we need to trust the vine dresser that even in the painful ways he's going to prune, even in the painful ways, he's going to reposition things, reposition the branches of our life that are going to be uncomfortable and inconvenient sometimes. We can remember the end game, abundant and fruitful life, abundant and fruitful life. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. You want to know where those paths lead? fruitful life. Fruitful life. He's going to straighten every path. He's going to give you the shortest possible distance to the most abundant life possible. And let me give you the greatest encouragement. The life that God has planned and destined for you to step in, those paths he wants you to walk, it's going to outweigh anything that you could conjure or manufacture on your own. So we need to continue to trust. And thirdly, we need to surrender we need to surrender. What would it look like this week if we seriously took a look at our life and we considered what is stopping us from going to our God with a posture of surrender? What if we just gave up? What if we gave up the control that we feel like we've had, we've convinced ourselves that we actually have?
What if we gave up the pride of thinking that we actually know better than God? What if we just gave up trying to be the perfect husband or wife or parent and realizing we don't know what we're doing, we can't do it without the hope of a Savior? What if we fully surrendered to God? Here I am, Lord. Here's all of me. Here's all of me. Brokenness and all, messiness and all. And what we celebrate isn't a God who points his celestial fingers saying, what did you think was gonna happen? No, what we celebrate is a God that we just said he picks us up out of the muck and the mire and the dirt and he places us on solid rock. Why? Because he's a good vine dresser. Friends, he's the best vine dresser and he has the best future for your life. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads this morning as we close. I wanna just give a quick opportunity before we go and wrap up this morning. Maybe you're here today and your problem today that you came in here with is not, not just a, a crisis of faith spiritually, but maybe you've never formed a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're, what you would say today is, Pastor John, my issue is, is I haven't made God my vine dresser. I haven't given him control. I haven't surrendered my life to him and become a follower of Jesus. I just wanna give you that opportunity today. The Bible makes it so simple. In fact, in 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so if you've ever been to a church that tried to make your faith more complicated than that, it's not. To form a relationship with Jesus, you confess that you're a sinner. I wanna get, I'm gonna give you the opportunity to pray a prayer of repentance that will start a brand new relationship with you and a relationship with Jesus will change everything. So if that's you today, all I'm gonna ask you to do is on the count of three, to just lift your hand in the air. Now, why do we do this? Because Jesus says in his word, when you recognize me here on earth, I will recognize you before my Father in heaven. I believe it'll make it all the more real for you. So do you wanna walk with Jesus this morning? One, God loves you so much. Two, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Three, if that's you all over this room, just lift your hand in the air. I wanna walk with Jesus. I want a new start with him. I wanna follow him. I wanna surrender my life. I wanna put my faith, hope, and trust in him. Awesome, awesome. Hands going up all over the room. You can put your hands down this morning. Well, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. I'm gonna ask every single one of us to pray this prayer out loud to support all those that are praying this prayer for the very first time. So just repeat after me, say, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I repent of my sin. I turn away from my sin. Help me to live for you the best that I can. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.